You're listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. Hi guys, in this episode of ayahuascapodcast.com, we speak to Ashley Townsend, who is a blind person that came and stayed in Lawaira for 10 days. Uh, we talk about her experience um, we talk about what do blind people see on ayahuasca. We talk about importance of visions uh, versus other psychedelic experiences. Uh, we talk about her personal work as a psychotherapist and uh, her healing process with her trauma with men that she experienced during this retreat. I'm sure you will uh, enjoy this episode. Ashley just did a 10-day retreat with us here at Lawaira. Uh, what's different about Ashley is that Ashley is visually impaired. I'm blind. Blind. I'm a lot closer to blind than visually impaired these days. Okay. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm still learning this uh, terminology. But um, uh, first of all, Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome to be here, Sam. Ashley is a fascinating person, in my opinion, because she is blind. She can't really see much. She walks with a stick. However, she was brave enough to come to the retreat in a, in a foreign country, um, navigate her way here. I know you're a psychotherapist. Yes. Uh, so you actively work and you have a complete life and nothing seems to, to stop you. So uh, first question, Ashley, um, what, what brought you to Ayahuasca? Yeah, great question. So I came here with my fiance, Matt, and um, we've been together about four years now. When we first met, Matt had actually recently done um, ayahuasca at SoulQuest in Florida. And so we had talked about it for years, and I thought it was really fascinating. I wasn't ready to kind of jump into the deep end and do it, but I was very interested in it. And I would say... Somewhere in 2023, something just clicked for me, and I was like, you know what, I'm ready. I, I really want to take my own um, healing journey to a different level, um, and I wanted that to be in a more embodied sense. I love being a talk therapist, and at the same time, uh, I think that ayahuasca and plant medicine um, has this incredible power to help us tap into our own answers and our own strength um, and just this deep, deep well of love that is who we really are. Um, and I think talk therapy helps you, helps you move things for sure. Um, and I had to do a lot of my own um, therapeutic work with my therapist who's amazing, shout out to her. <laughs> um, to get to a point where this felt safe for me and, and where it felt like it was the right time. So this was definitely the right time and I can't wait to come back and see you guys again. As a, as a therapist, Ashley, you know, you, you listen to a lot of people um, and you collect a lot of pain this way. Would you say uh, ayahuasca um, helped you to release that or do, yes. you, do you carry some of that or not? One of the most challenging things I think about being a psychotherapist is figuring out how do you filter um, all of the things that you hear. Um, you know, like I obviously want to remember people's stories and really be with them in that journey. I also, um, I don't want to feel like a sponge that needs to be wrung out. 
Um, so it's that balance of, you know, you don't, you don't want to get away from being empathetic because you filter too much, <laughs> um, but you also don't want to hold people's trauma um, because holding, you can't really hold someone's trauma for them. It's in them. Um, so one of the biggest takeaways I had was in my second ceremony, I was having the hardest time on my first cup. And I was also up in um, the gazebo, kind of more away from the group um, because I was menstruating. And so there was this feeling of isolation and I was struggling to connect to myself and the medicine. And I really wanted to sleep, but I was really disappointed in myself for being so tired. And I had a lot of physical pain coming up. And then I had this huge realization going into the second cup that um, I have struggled with sleep so much ever since my brother was deployed. And that's not blaming it on him. It's just a thing that I experienced. And then I, I felt this really deep sense of connection to my brother and everything that he's been through um, in life and, and in being deployed in Iraq. And um, the medicine said, you need to hold your brother, not his trauma. And it said that he holds his trauma and he's gonna work through it in his own way on his own time. Um, and that I just need to go to him and, and be available and be loving. And that was so freeing. It simplified something that felt so stuck. Um, I think a lot of times in families, we have a sense of each other's pain, but we don't know how to go to each other. Um, and I think a lot of that stems from this confusion around, I, I have to hold someone else's pain. And, and in truth, we need to just hold them. Mm -hmm. That's a great uh, revelation. Yeah, we can... We cannot really uh, hold somebody else's trauma, right? It's 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 theirs to have, and us holding it does not necessarily help them. It might actually make them feel worse, you know, if it's yeah. a close relationship. The question that I'm sure some of the listeners uh, are asking themselves is: You're you're blind, so you don't see. Mm -hmm. What does the blind and 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 a lot of people focus on visions when it comes to ayahuasca. Very a lot much, of people yeah. come here for visions. And so what does the blind person see in their visions? And uh, a little um, spoiler for guys that uh, you are having probably more visions than some of the other people in, in the group, right? I don't know. Um, well, so it, I'll, I'll say this. I want to preface it with. Blind people are very different in that, you know, some of us go blind earlier in life, some of us go blind later in life, some of us retain some amount of functional vision and are kind of living more of that in-between life where you can rely to some degree on your functional vision and rely to some degree on your blind skills. So I would be fascinated to get to connect with more blind folks who are getting to have this ayahuasca journey. I would love to encourage other blind and visually impaired people to come specifically to Lawira. And um, that is because I had such a safe experience here in every sense of the word around um, just being blind and doing this. It was a safe experience around um, all of my trauma. And it was really healthy for me to have this mix of moving around independently and then also knowing that it was okay to accept help. Um, People are also at different points with um, accepting being visually impaired or blind, and all of that is valid too. I really, at this point in my life, I'm 32, almost 33. 
I gradually lost my vision um, all the way up to the age of 27, and now I just have light perception. So I'm in a really pretty comfortable place with my blindness. Um, and there are some people who want to regain sight, and that's totally valid. I just don't fall in that camp personally. So I would be fascinated to know um, how other people experience it. But getting back to your question, Sam, um, you know, we say buena pinta, which is sort of like an English saying, like good patterns, right? Like pinta mm -hmm. is like to paint, or pintar is like to paint. Um, and so originally people, we would get through the first couple ceremonies and we would have a word circle and people would describe seeing these beautiful geometric patterns and colors. And I didn't experience that in the first couple of ceremonies. What I did experience was um, ayahuasca in my first ceremony. She spoke to me very much like my paternal grandmother, my grandma Townsend. And I call her mama because she, she just talks like mama to me. And, and my grandma Townsend was a mama. And she talked to me the whole time, very gently. And she would ask me questions kind of like a really good psychotherapist and just have a dialogue with me the entire time. It was beautiful. Um, and then, you know, the ceremonies vary and some of them feel more painful at points or dark and then you, you get realizations out of it. Then I got to my fourth, fifth and sixth ceremony. So the last three got a lot more uh, visually imaginative and expansive, which was interesting for me because I don't have visuals that have a lot of like acuity and detail to them, like how people were describing these like geometric patterns. What I have is like lights. So I had this really powerful experience in my fourth ceremony reconnecting to music and, and the music within me and how I've really let that go in the interest of being a psychotherapist for the past like 10, 12 years. And so as I'm listening to Taita and the band playing music, I just had like these waves of rainbow lights that I could physically feel and I could visually see. It was almost like, like when I looked at the fire, cause I, I can see the fire in a sense because it's a light. Uh, it was like there was like rainbow smoke blowing out of the fire and, and the band was surrounded by like this rainbow bubble. Um, and I felt like I was in it with them. It was also a very physical feeling. So um, other visions I had were of speaking to some of my relatives who have passed away and seeing them. It's a very like Dia de los Muertos kind of image, but seeing them in a, like a castle that was a cloud in the sky and they were like neon skeletons dancing and then Mama told me that sometimes people dance for seven years in between incarnations. I thought that was such an oddly interesting, specific thing <laughs> that she said. And then I saw my um, paternal grandfather as a white cloud dragon breathing rainbow fire. Mm. And then a lot of the other stuff was very conversational, you know, like the, the conversations were honestly in many ways the most powerful for me, just the way she speaks to me and the way I get to speak to her. And the, you start to realize that you are the medicine. That was more powerful for me than anything else. It's like, yes, this is coming from her. This is coming from spirit. And it's also very much coming from me. Um, and that, that unity that you feel 
internally is just, I think it's the most beautiful thing. People will talk a lot about they can't decide to keep their eyes open or to keep their eyes closed. Originally, I couldn't open my eyes if I wanted to. And then in later ceremonies, I found myself opening my eyes more, not so much for the visual stimuli, but just because it felt safe to open my eyes. When Taito was in front of me, I used to feel like it was like disrespectful to try to like open my eyes and sort of look at him um, in the way that I look at people, you know. Um, and then towards the end, that was something I felt really compelled to do. So, I mean, it was just, it was really beautiful to, you get a sense that like, it's a visual experience for people who can see, but it's also very much not because it's so internal, you know, and because you're connecting so deeply with yourself. Yeah, people that <clears throat> come here to Lawaira, a lot of them are very obsessed about vision specifically, mm -hmm. and we try to talk them out of it to not focus on that because I do agree with you. Uh, it's the it's the conversations and this intricate dance between medicine, you yourself, and the group and the healing that happens. And visions are nice, but they're not always the most uh, significant part of it. So, but of course, with you, we focus on visions because just so so curious to know what what you see. And uh, I I noticed in the group and and the sharing circles, I noticed that you probably had more visions than, 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 than other people, and, and that's, that's really fascinating. Oh, I wasn't asking for it. I mm -hmm. think that has a big <laughs> role in it, maybe. I'm not saying, like, this is what I need, this is how it has to come. I was really trying to work on my biggest overarching intention in coming here is surrender, which is very hard for me. And I was really trying to work on however it comes, it comes, and just allowing that. Mm -hmm. um, I had another vision at the very end when we did our closing ceremony. The drums come in and Taita's going around and cleansing everyone and sort of blessing everyone. And I had this vision of my old drum instructor, Baba Hamza, who's a beautiful man who I got to study with in college um, and studying like West African drumming. And he was a king in the sky and he had like beautiful white and gold robes and he's playing this huge gold drum. And mama said, this is the image of his eternal spirit. So whatever incarnations he's in, they might look different. He might do different things in that life. And that ultimately that was the image of his eternal spirit. And I thought that was so beautiful. And it was less about the image and more about learning about we don't really die. We have an eternal spirit. Interesting. Uh, what you mentioned about eyes closed and eyes open, they, it reminded me my my first ever ayahuasca experience. <clears throat> one of the one of the moments, I was lying with my eyes closed, <clears throat> and uh, for some reason, when the shaman would go through the space. I could I could know where he is yes. in like this mental mental vision like I was almost sure that and he was kind of displayed as 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 like a like a bubble of light kind of similar to the 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 visions you described so it's like it's curious in a way um, if there is some other kind of vision that can be unlocked through psychedelics that can actually allow you to see the space without your eyes uh, I've heard about it being mentioned somewhere. Do you have you experienced that, or do you believe yeah, in that? Yeah, absolutely, I believe that. And and so for me, 
I'm kind of a mixed bag because I have visual memory growing up as a child with some vision. Um, so I imagine that probably plays a little bit of a role for me. I also think it's very possible that people who are born blind from birth would experience that as well. Um, because I think it unlocks a lot of things that we can't explain. So even people who have never even been able to perceive light, I think it's very possible um, that they would have sort of a different sensory perception or maybe even see like lights behind their eyes. So much of vision is not in the actual eyeball, it's in the mind. Um, and vision's a very different word than sight. Sight is very much about looking around and what you can see. Vision, I think, is a more integrated word that, um, that really shows that you are able to look inward. And, and that's so much more than sight. You know, and I think that's why we're here. We're, mm -hmm. we're not just here to look around and go, oh, Colombia is beautiful. Look at that bird. I mean, that's great if you can do that um, and if that helps you. Uh, but that's not really why we're here, whether you can see or not. And uh, psychedelically speaking, um, even visions, that's also, that's also not, the main, not the main goal. I also remember seeing the music. So I think it's called, what's, what's it called for? Synesthesia? Synesthesia, like, yeah. Were there like bright I could, lights I could stuff? see the music and as the music was uh, dancing and the, the, the rhythms, I could also see the, the visions that I had react to that music. It's kind of mm. like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, if, you, you were, if you're able to see still back then, but in the old like Windows 98 uh, music player, there was this, um, it would, whatever you're listening, it would automatically create this dancing pattern and yes, it would kind of dance. Yes, I do remember that, yeah. yeah. So this was kind of similar to me on, on, on my first Ayahuasca experience, but it was, it was much more than that because the, the complexity, I mean, comparing it to the... You know the pattern on a, on the computer screen is like it's like one percent of that. There, it's much more complex, and it you can almost you can almost taste the music. It's like all the all the senses sort of mix in. Yeah. And uh, I I think also that there's this uh, condition. I think it's called aphanasia or aphthanasia. It's like when when people they can see visually, but they cannot see in their mind's eye. So let's say. If you would um, tell yourself, uh, envision a green car, then in, in your mind's eye, you're, you're envisioning green car of whatever. And there are people who cannot do that. Yeah, they have to actually see it in real life to see it. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of people like this came here because apparently there are some studies that ayahuasca can help unlock that, that ability. Mm. So I know where I'm going with that, but it's kind of fascinating, this whole mental eye vision seeing stuff you shouldn't be able to see and then you know the brain is so fascinating like where it happens and how it happens no idea yeah. you, is there anything you know about that i don't know a ton about that um but it it makes a lot of sense you know a lot of us are so we say we have five senses we have way more than five senses <laughs> um and i think ayahuasca also really touches on that because people We'll sit around in word circle and we will try to put words to some of the physical sensations that, that we experience. And it's so hard to put into words. I mean, there were times where I felt like I, this is going to sound very disturbing, but it didn't feel disturbing. I felt like I was burning alive inside. 
That sounds horrifying. It was very pleasant. And, you know, we talk about with ayahuasca, you can sort of experience a death. You, you know, you don't actually die, but it feels like you're dying. And I felt like I was burning alive inside. And she told me, what if you just enjoy it? And I was like, what? And so I was like, okay, I'll try to do that. And I did. And it was this weird, like intense, icy hot feeling all through my body. And then again, it was this Dia de los Muertos kind of image where I felt myself turn into a skeleton, but not in like a scary, creepy way. It was almost kind of cute, like if you've seen the movie Coco. Mm -hmm. And then she called me a pretty little skeleton. And she said, I'm gonna bring you right back. And then she said, you're such a beautiful baby. And then I heard somebody else, one of the patients, had a really strong experience. And she said, I feel like I'm reborn, like I feel like I'm a little baby right now. I'm just a beautiful little baby. She said exactly what I had experienced days before. So it's so interesting how like in the group you'll experience all of these connections and how like interwoven all of our experiences are. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the group, um, you mentioned that you had trauma with men and um, how did this week sort of tie into that? Yeah, uh, it's been remarkable. It's been so healing. Um, I was nervous at first at how many men there were. I was nervous at first, like coming into the retreat. I was really struggling with, you know, that Taita is a man, right? And that there's a lot of men that are kind of like leading this experience and like holding this safe space. And um, that was really hard for me to trust initially. And they say that the medicine starts working with you as soon as you decide that you're going to come to ayahuasca, she starts working with you before you ever actually take it. And I definitely experienced that because I would have like really triggering stuff come up for me before I came to Colombia. And then I get here and I felt it move more and more every day. You know, guys where I was like, ooh, you know, that's really intense jock energy. And I've kind of avoided that my whole life. You know, men that I perceive as being more like intensely masculine or something. Um, and that has lifted for me so, so much because everyone was able to be vulnerable and you see like people have so many different sides. And I know that boys and men are conditioned in really poisonous, harmful ways, you know, that we are keeping boys and men from feeling deeply and being human. Um, and so of course that has a lot of manifestations and a lot of those manifestations, you know, of course they affect men and they also affect women and they affect people of all genders. I had a lot of talks with Mama about people of all genders and how we are all a mix of energies. You know, we put things in the binary of just men and women. Uh, that's not how everybody exists in this world. And I think that's really important too. Like, why are we all seeing rainbows if everything's black and white, this or that? Um, so I just felt a lot safer with everyone's mix of energies, if that makes sense, including that more masculine presenting mix that has been really scary for me in light of my sexual trauma um, and in light of just feeling like I couldn't really have male friends or like I couldn't really connect with men um, in terms of dating for many, many, many years. So um, 
that was awesome. And by the time I got to my last ceremony, I was just around all of the guys. I wasn't even trying to be, and I felt very safe and held and protected and loved. Um, and there was just no sense of threat at all. And in my, my fourth ceremony, which was very much about the music, I was right in front of Taita and the band and I was mesmerized. And it was this really deep spiritual healing that was going on. And it felt like the music was just in my body and in my spirit. And I was crying so hard, but I was really, really joyful. I mean, it is the most intense joy I have ever felt in my life. And I had this epiphany. I was like, oh my God, I'm literally being healed by men right now. And that was something I could only ever dream of, but never really believe that that would be possible or that I would experience that in my life. So, I mean, just, I, I could not be more grateful um, for everybody here and for you, Sam, and, and how gentle you are with everybody and how understanding you are and um, how you've really helped bring everybody together and really see that message that hurt people hurt people and that we can forgive ourselves for that and we can forgive each other and we can go out into the world and we can do things differently and we can help other people to do things differently. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of a lot of women that come to the retreat. Um, they get surprised when they see men cry, when they see men share the pain, and uh, this uh, man trauma is a lot of times is being healed in women, and women trauma a lot of times is being healed in men because it goes both ways. Absolutely. Um, we just hurt each other. I don't know for for what reason, um, but largely as a society. Um, we all have preconception about who is who and what to expect from them and we kind of think we know who they are and then when people come to the word circle and the, and the retreat starts and people start sharing deeper and deeper every day, take off their masks, all of that goes away and then all, you, all you're left with is you just realize we're all human and we all suffer in a very similar ways and then um, I think it really helps to to bond, and I think we need it in the in the society at large because we all kind of think we know who is what, and we kind of have those um, prepared ways of judging them automatically. Mm -hmm. And um, but the ayahuasca definitely lifts up that veil and just shows you that that we're more similar than we would like to think. Yeah, and my experience of that was she's very understanding of all the ways that you protect yourself. Um, you know, I would have moments where I felt really intensely angry. And she would say, I understand. I understand why. And just really safely would, would guide me through that and help me kind of arrive at a place where I could see that I could release that, that it was safe to release that. And there's a lot of crying, you know, there's a lot of different types of purging that people experience um, so that they can get from one point to another. Um, but there were just things I thought I was always going to need to move through this life as, if you look at my physical form, I am a tiny blind woman, you know? And it's, it's not that I'm not still going to be safety conscious because there are bad things in the world. Um, but I don't carry it like this sense of hypervigilance 
and pain, and that's really new for me. Um, and, you know, that's a process, and I'm going to have to stay with that process. I'm just so grateful to be getting to such a different point. What would, you, what would your message be to blind people interested in trying ayahuasca or psychedelics? Yeah, um, blind people, all people have a lot of challenges in life and some of us have a, a lot of trauma. Um, so blind people are not just facing the trauma or the loss of losing their vision in a world that is very focused on sight. Um, you know, they have all the other things that any other person can have too. They have family trauma, they, you know, maybe were bullied, they um, we're, were actually at a much higher risk for sexual abuse. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's the baggage around feeling like a burden, you know, there's ableism, there's this belief that people tend to hold, whether they realize it or not, that people with disabilities are lesser, or that their lives would be better or more valid or worth living if they didn't have that disability. That weighs on your soul. Um, and so I would say, you know, to, to blind and visually impaired people, whatever your reasons are for coming here, we're all human beings and we all have very good reasons for coming here. And I would love to connect with people who are curious about it and, and just talk with them and, and hear where they're coming from. Um, and yeah, I love that I can say to people like beyond a shadow of a doubt that Lawira is a really, really safe place. And that, you know, as a blind or visually impaired person, you can ask for whatever you need here in terms of help or in terms of um, independence and how you want to get around and navigate. And you will get it. You will absolutely get it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a way for me to, like, give out information or connect with people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, if you want uh, people to reach out to you, where can they find you? I guess like WhatsApp mm -hmm. would be a good one. Um, I can just add your number in the show notes. That's perfect. That would be great. Okay, Ashley, thank you so much for sharing. You do have a um, great capacity to describe things in words. Um, and um, I'm, I'm fascinated by you. There's, uh, there's so many people that can see and can have all the senses and they don't do much with their lives for some reason or another and um, definitely not seeing is not easy I can imagine however you just you're productive you're successful you're positive uh, that's amazing thanks yeah that's a big yeah. shout out to my mom and dad that they really encouraged that in me and they had the strength to not um, overprotect me in, and, and I can understand that desire to overprotect your child, especially when they have a disability. Um, and that's been very freeing for me. And I, I had a lot of connection to my parents around that and just feeling very proud and very grateful um, for everything they've done for me. So thank you so much for recognizing that, Sam. Thank you. Mom and dad, Ashley's mom and dad, if you're listening, thank you. Okay, guys, uh, you've been listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you, Sam Believe, the host, and uh, our guest today was Ashley Townsend.